All right, if you have your Bibles, I want you to join me in Luke chapter 24. We're not going to do all, cover all of Luke chapter 24, but this is where I'm going to come from. You know, we just finished celebrating Good Friday. And I thought about it. I said, you know, why do people call Good Friday good when we celebrate the death of Jesus Christ? We call Good Friday good because we ought to. Because, because Good Friday represents the day that all of the sins of the whole world were born on the cross by Jesus Christ. And he atoned for the sins of every single person. Every one of your sins, every one of my sins were paid for on that cross on that Friday afternoon. Amen? Amen. All of our sins, past, fret, present, and future, paid for. And all we have to do to experience the forgiveness that he offers is simply to repent from our sins and embrace the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. And when we do, our sins are washed away and, and we're made new in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We stand clothed in his righteousness before the Father, completely justified. No other sacrifice ever needed because of the price that he paid on that cross on that Friday afternoon. Man, it's, it's really hard for me to talk about this and contain myself because there's so much that goes into this. So that's what the cross is all about. That's why we celebrate Good Friday. So then, Pastor Greg, what's Easter? Easter is the validation that Christ is who he says that he is and that he did what he said that he would do. Resurrection is the, is the, is the validation that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he is Savior. And because of the price that he paid and because he got up out of the grave, we can live a life that's free from sin and disgrace and shame. I don't know about you, but that's, for me, that's a good reason to shout glory. Yes. Glory! Glory! <laughs> yeah, we, this is talk back to me, church, today. I told you, if you have your Bibles, I want you to join me in Luke chapter, chapter 24. And I'm not going to cover, I'm not going to read the entire chapter in, in its entirety, but but and I want to encourage you to do that. But there are three stories in here. That, that Dr. Luke connects uh, really, really well. He does a masterful job at connecting three, these three stories. And what I was going to do is I was going to just bring one to you. But I think as, you, as, as we go along and we introduce these three stories, you'll see that this is a, an extraordinary and historical picture that Luke paints of the events that occurred immediately right after the resurrection. And so I want to say a few things here before we go into our text. Just a few things. Here's the first. When we talk about the resurrection of Jesus, we're talking about a literal person who rose from the dead, who became the first of many at some point in the future who will receive a glorified body. He ascended to heaven. He sits on the right-hand side, the right-hand side 
Everybody's like, look, look, he's on the left side. He's just on the right hand side of the Father Almighty. He is alive today. Jesus Christ is alive. And the right hand side of the Father is the seat of power. You all, he presides as king in power. And listen. Because he's omnipresent, he can dwell in heaven and he can also make his abode in us who place our faith in him and receive him into our hearts. He's not only living in heaven, but he's living in us right now today. The resurrection of Jesus Christ declares that Christianity is not a fad. It wasn't something that happened over a three-year period and then fades away like a lot of movements that we know have come and gone. No, Christianity has never faded away. As a matter of fact, it continues to get stronger and stronger and stronger through the years. Why? Because Christianity is sustained by Jesus Christ himself. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. Luke chapter 24 tells us three stories. And, and, and there's one theme that connects. It's like a, a golden thread that weaves throughout all of these three stories. And as these three stories come together, they all beg one question. And here's the question. What does an empty tomb a walk with a stranger, and a surprise dinner guest, an unexpected dinner guest all have in common. Now I need you to feel the tension of this story with me. See, there's a disadvantage that we have with knowing history because we already know the end of the story, right? And so we don't sometimes, as the story unpacks, somebody's telling the story, we become emotionally detached or disconnected. We don't feel the tension or the drama of the story because we already know the outcome. But I want you to really appreciate this narrative. Appreciate what Luke is telling us today, like you've never heard it before. Last week, I was introduced, introduced to a book. I told you about it briefly. How many of you guys heard of the story, The Lone Survivor, Mark Luttrell, The Lone Survivor? Okay. Not very many of you. The Lone Survivor is about this Navy SEAL that got trapped in the mountains of Afghanistan. There were four of them. He literally fought for his life. You watch the movie after you read the book, and you just don't get, you just don't get everything out of it. I immersed myself in that story like I didn't know the end of the story. And I'm telling you, for eight hours, I was fighting for my life in the mountains of Afghanistan. I want you to approach this story today in much the same way. Put yourself in the disciples' shoes so you can see what they saw, so you can feel what they felt. Because right in front of them, was the most important event that would unfold in all of human history. In all of human history. Everybody say all. all. In all of human history. This was an awful time in their life. Listen to me. They had given up everything to follow Jesus. Everything. They believed in him. There was no way that this was supposed to end the way that it did. 
They were traumatized because what had happened, what they had witnessed, what they had seen. Here they are, they believed that this man was the Messiah that would ultimately take away the sins of the world, but instead they watched him be brutally beaten and humiliated and hung on a tree. And if you've seen the passion of Christ, the passion of Christ, it, 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 it doesn't even come close to what the Bible says was the description of Jesus as he was nailed to the cross. They were traumatized by what they had seen and what they had experienced. And then to make matters worse, when stuff hit the fan, when the, when the Roman guard came to get Jesus in the garden and Judas goes up and betrays him with a kiss and all hell breaks loose in the garden and Peter takes a sword and swipes at the, at the official's ear and he moves his head and it cuts his ear off. Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 26, verse 56, then all of the disciples fled and left him. How? How does that happen, man? How does that happen? And don't think for a moment that they weren't being haunted by this reality, man. How do you leave the one who calmed the sea? How do you just walk away from the one who fed more than 20,000 people on the side of the mountain with two fish and five loaves of bread? How do you walk away from the person who turned water into wine or walked on the water? How do you walk away? But yet they did. They walked away from Jesus. They left him all alone. How do you leave the person that has revealed to you that he is the Messiah and you've seen his glory and he gave your life purpose and meaning? How do you just walk away from that? And I believe this is the reason that Luke gives us these three amazing stories in progression because he wants us to realize that none of these guys, none of them, believe that Jesus Christ was able to get up from the grave after what they saw happen to him. None of them. They were all in disbelief. Wow. You guys with me? So watch what happens. Again, what does an empty tomb, a walk with a stranger, and a surprise uninvited dinner guest all have in common? I'm going to give you the answer, and then I'm going to give you a brief summary of all three of these encounters, and then we're going to pack up and go home. How's that? Or some of y'all are going to pack up and pretend that you haven't eaten anything and go to dinner with somebody that invited you over to dinner. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I know. What do all these things have in common? The answer is assurance and confidence. Assurance and confidence. First, the first encounter, the empty tomb. The empty tomb. What was the demeanor of these women as they approached the empty tomb? Yeah, man. They knew walking up to this tomb, they were getting ready to, to face and embrace a brand new reality. 
Jesus was dead. He's dead. How do we know this was their reality? Because they come bearing spices. They come bearing spices to finish the embalming process. They didn't expect to see Jesus alive. They expected his body to be decaying just like Lazarus' body was decaying after he laid in the grave for three days. They were expecting to embalm Jesus. They weren't expecting an empty tomb. Can you imagine the shock when they get to the tomb and the stone's been rolled away? Can you imagine the shock as they encounter the two angels that confirm, I mean, they came to confirm that Jesus had risen from the dead. <laughs> Can you imagine? Go with me to verse 6 of chapter 24, verse 6. Actually, verse 5. And they were frightened and they bowed their faces to the ground because they'd seen the angels. And the men, these angels, said to them, why do you seek the living amongst the dead? He is not here, for he is risen. Watch this now. Remember what he told you. Remember what he told you. And the angels reminded the women that Jesus had told them, listen, the Son of Man has got to be delivered up before the elders of the chief priests, and he's going to be crucified. And on the third day, he's going to, re he's going to rise again. Remember what he already told you. Remember. So what do these women do? They run back to the 11 and they tell the 11 what happened. And most of the disciples didn't even believe them. Look at what verse 11 says right here. But these words seemed to them as an idle tale. Talk about the, the apostles. And they did not believe him. But then Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Here's what I, here's what I believe happened to Peter. In Mark chapter 16, verse 7, Scripture tells us that the angels told the ladies, said, listen, go back and tell the disciples, watch this now, and Peter, that he's alive. So I believe the ladies book back to the place where the disciples are, and they go and say, he's alive, he's alive. And these guys are like, yeah, well, we know that you miss him really bad. We know you're probably hallucinating and seeing things. We, we, we know, we get it, we miss him too, but he ain't alive. And then I believe one of the women, probably Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene goes to Peter and he says, she says, listen, Peter, they told me to tell you specifically that he's alive. Why? Can you imagine how Peter felt with this hard-nosed sailor? Stood and, and promised Jesus by oath, if everybody else denies you, I won't deny you. And Jesus looks him in the eyes and says, yes, you will. As a matter of fact, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Can you imagine how crushed Peter was? And so, and so the angels send word back specifically to Peter, go tell the apostles and make sure you tell Peter that he's alive. Now I can just see Mary getting in his face. Peter, he is and I can see Peter rising up from his seat and going to check the tomb for himself. And the scripture says he goes in, he sees it, and he goes home. Everybody say home. home. He goes home completely amazed. 
of what happened. Wow. Wow. So Peter went from remorse to rejoicing. So the first encounter is, is an empty tomb. The second one is a walk with the stranger. You find this in verse 13 and through 35 of this text. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, by the way, you guys know I taught on this last, last, son, last uh, Easter. Remember that? You got two men. They're walking on the road to Emmaus. And, and, and you got you to get the picture here because... Because these two guys are walking on the road to Emmaus, which is about seven miles north of Jerusalem. Jerusalem had swelled from about 300,000 people to about a million and a half people that were there for Passover. The city was in chaos. Jesus had wrecked the place, man. The place was in an uproar. And besides this, Jesus had been crucified. He'd been crucified. And while the crucifixion was happening, the sun got dark. And for three hours, the sun didn't shine. The Bible says that, the, that there was a great earthquake that shook everything. And then the veil in the temple, which was about this thick, was rent in two from the top to the bottom. Bam! Some stuff was happening, man. Jerusalem was in disarray. And then to top that all off, this is crazy. The graves popped open, and these cats that had been dead, many of them for years, got up and started walking around the streets. Dead people, man. This is the first episode of The Walking Dead. I don't think they walk around like this, though, man. I think they was in their glorified bodies, man. But that's a story for another day. So they get up. Man, they're walking down the street. Man, the people are seeing them. And these two men are on the road to a mess. They're tripping. Their mind is blown. All the stuff that's happening. They don't know what to do with what they saw and what they experienced. They had seen Jesus crucified. And so they're walking and they're talking. And this is where it gets fun. How many of you know God has a sense of humor? Man, I think, because watch this now. Jesus already died. He already had body one ripped to shreds, right? It was like totaled, like a total car. You guys ever seen a total car? Right? You just go and get your bag and you walk away from it because it's done, right? His body was toast, right? So, 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 so he, he'd already gone through what he had to go through. Now Jesus is in his glorified 10.0 body. <laughs> Seriously, man. Jesus, I mean, that thing is like, woo, radiant, right? I mean, it's like, woo. Jesus is like, woo, right? He sees these cats on the road to Emmaus, and he's standing there in his glorified body. Woo, he said, man, this is like 10.0. I'm going to have to disguise myself so these guys don't know who I am. I'm going to have to turn this thing down to like 0.5. So he turns it way down, way down, disguises himself, and these guys are walking, and they're walking like, they, they're probably walking slow, man, you know, because that sad people walk slow. You've seen sad people, how they walk with their head down like this. You know, just walking along. But I don't think Jesus would like that, man. I think, I'm serious, man. I think Jesus was like, because he already paid the price, right? He's in his 10-point. I think Jesus was like, ha ho, dudes, what's up? <laughs> think about it, man. I think Jesus was like, hey, hey, 
What's up, everybody? And they didn't know who he was. So, so look, you, you got to read the scripture, right? You got to read the scripture. Because these dudes stopped in their place. They stopped and they looked at Jesus like, where have you been? Don't you know all the stuff that's happened? Are you from another planet? And Jesus goes, what you talking about, Cleo? <laughs> what you talking about? Stuff. Tell me. You know, this, the prophet Jesus of Nazareth, man, you know, they, he, we thought he was the one. We thought, man, okay, my mind is wondering, Neo Cleo, but that, okay, but anyway. So, so, so we thought he was the one, but he's been crucified, man. They hung him on a tree. Chief priests and scribes and Pharisees, they hung him, up, hung, him up, hung him up on a tree. And he's like hanging there and he's dead. He's beat real bad. And, and we thought he was the one. But guess what, man? He's not. He's dead. And what makes it worse is this the third day. He's supposed to be resurrected today. We ain't seen him. Now we heard a little thing about these women that went down to the tomb, man. They said that he was alive. But look, Jack, we saw him. There ain't no way in the world. And so we're sad. And Jesus rebukes him. He says, hey, man, oh, you foolish, foolish people. And he begins to take the scripture and work all the way back from Moses and the prophets and walks all the way up through where he is, telling them about himself. And they, and they go from, you know, the head down to walking with Jay. And they're like, wow, man, woo. And, they, and then they get to the place where they're supposed to go back to their house, right? And Jesus acts like he goes, he's like, hey, man, I'll see you guys later. And they say, whoa, 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 whoa. This good, bruh. Can you come to the house? I know Mabel's sleeping and everything, but somebody will rustle you up a little peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something. You know, we want you to come in and sit down and eat with us. Right? So Jesus does that, man. He sits down and he eats with them. Their eyes are still veiled. He's still eating with them. And all of a sudden he breaks the bread and the scripture says their eyes come open. And they know that it's him. Bam! He's gone. Now, just keep in mind now, these dudes just walked seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They get their stuff on. They like, they're like digging. Like, whoa, did you see that man? Ow! Ow! High five. Okay, we got to go back and tell the disciples what's going on. So they get up, man. Middle of the night, run into the city. Knock on the door. Hey, man, Jesus is alive. We just saw him. So now let's recap. By now, the disciples have heard three reports. They've heard the report of the woman, the women. They heard Peter's report because he's there now. And now you got these cats that have come from Emmaus and they're like buzzing, right? Into the third encounter, an unexpected dinner guest. And you can read the scripture and you can see that the demeanor of the disciples, they were stubbornly unconvinced. And as I said earlier when I was talking, man, don't be so hard on these guys, man. Do you understand how brutal Roman crucifixion was? I mean, it was, man, it was, it's, it's unbelievable. Scripture says Jesus' body was ripped to shreds, 
to the degree that if you didn't know who he was before they hung him up, you would have no idea that that was Jesus. No ways can someone survive that. No way. No way can someone come back from that. No way. It's impossible. That's what they had to be thinking, man. These guys were traumatized. Everything that Jesus had said to them at that point had been erased by what they saw. Let me say that again. Everything that Jesus had said to them to that point had been erased by what they saw. How could that be, Pastor Greg? Man, you ever had, you've been in the middle of a great day, everything's going good, woo, everything's going good, and all of a sudden one bad thing happens and ruins the whole day? Everything that they had saw, that Jesus had taught them, had been erased by what they saw when he was hanging on that tree and he died. It all had been erased. Nobody can come back from that. That's what they had to be thinking. We're without our leader. These guys are scared, man. On one side, you know, they're probably thinking that any time the Roman government's going to come get us, because they believe, like Jesus, we were rebels and zealots. So they, they, they're, they're pitted against Rome. On the other side, you've got the religious theocracy of the Jews who knew that these guys are following Jesus. They're going to be looking for him, too. Hmm. Wow. The minds had to be swimming. And they're talking about all this stuff. And then I love, I just love Jesus, man. Aren't you glad Jesus has a sense of humor? Drop down to verse 36. I'm almost done. You guys enjoying this? I sure hope you are because I am. Drop down to verse 36. <laughs> okay, man, this is so funny to me, right? These dudes are like, they're like, they're at it. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, bam, Jesus just steps into the room. Peace. Okay, okay, let me do it on this side. <laughs> so they dialogue and everything, man. They all at it all of a sudden. And Jesus sits in the room, peace, y'all. <laughs> and the Bible said that they started tripping. Let me tell you something. I am confident that Jesus locked the door and kept them in because I know if it was me, I'd have been out that place. <laughs> Come on now. You having a dialogue and all of a sudden some, some cat just put, appears in the room. Pow, hey! <laughs> How y'all doing today? No, man, I'm out. I'm telling you the truth, I'm out. <laughs> he just shows up. And here's what he does. He convinces them of who he is and then he commissions them for what he wants them to do. First thing he does, he provides them a personal encounter. He stands in their presence so he can see them. Man, dudes, I mean, people. <laughs> Get this, man. Get this. Get this. It'd be like your best friend who got killed in an accident or fell off the side of the mountain or was tortured by, by some rebel gang. And you're sleeping, all of a sudden they appear and they're like, there. They had watched Jesus 
be demoralized. And now he's standing there in front of them. And they are tripping. And he has to tell them, oh, man, it's me. It's really me. It's me, man. It's me. It reminds me of when, I, of when we had uh, the, the get-together for my wife when we were celebrating our birthdays. And we surprised her by her dad coming up here. And, and you guys don't see the video because you don't see it. You won't ever be able to see it because it's just for me. But I'll tell you about it. When her father, who she had no idea, was there, when she opened the door and he was standing there, she was like, <gasps> and he had to tell her, it's okay, baby. You all right? It's me. Yeah, it's me. You okay? <laughs> no, it's me, really. I'm here. That's what Jesus was doing. And it wasn't enough. So get this now. Jesus goes, guys, okay, I know you still don't believe it. Look at my feet. Look, look at my hands. Hey, guys, listen, look. Look at the scars. My side where they pierced me. Look at my back. It's me. And then there's this verse down here that I think is amazing. Down here in verse, in verse number 41, it says, And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Do you have anything to eat? So he appears to him. He blesses them and gives him his peace. Because wherever Jesus is, there is peace. Okay, come on now. Wherever the Son of God is, there is peace. Amen. He is the Prince of Peace, and the Prince of Peace comes to bring peace. Wherever Jesus is, there is peace. So if you don't have peace, you need to check out whether or not you got your Jesus with you. He blesses them with his peace. And then he says, Give me some of that broiled tilapia you got there. He eats with them. He communes with them. That was a sign of, it's a picture of affirmation that I'm with you. And he does all of this. This is what I don't you, want you to miss because here's the application in this whole passage. Ooh, man, is it 3 o'clock almost really? No, it's almost 2 o'clock. Some of y'all said, mm-hmm, yeah, pastor. Yeah, there you go. Take your time, Pastor. Somebody said, no, don't do that, Pastor. I'm almost done. I'm on page five of five. I'm getting ready to close. Mm. Thank you. Mm, I'm getting ready to close. Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take you to a coaching church one day, man. They say, oh, Lord. Okay, I'm just. Okay, now listen, man. I'm trying to let y'all go. Y'all be like, go, Pastor, go. Yes, man. Okay, so check this out, man. Where was I at? I'm getting ready to close. Okay, here's the point. Everything that Jesus has done points to one thing, family. It points to the Great Commission. The empty tomb a walk with the stranger. Jesus popping in and just showing up as an unintended, uninvited dinner guest. All leads up to one point. Listen, it's, it's, he's telling them what he expects of them once he's gone. 
he convinced them first that he was alive. And then he commissioned them. And listen to me, listen to me. Those same two principles apply to us today. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that means you're already convinced that Jesus is alive. Here's how I know. He is risen. Mm -hmm. Nobody can convince you otherwise. You know in the part of you that knows things because you've accepted his invitation into eternal relationship. But also, listen to me, in doing so, you also accepted his invitation into kingdom responsibility as a commissioned ambassador to do great works in his name. Mitch, come to the piano, if you would. I want to close today with this worship team. In fact, all the whole worship team, because I think they got a song they, they want to sing. I think it's awesome. We're going to let you go with that song. Our text begins today with, with lives that are, that are filled with brokenness and scattered dreams. It begins with people who are filled with confusion and fear and purposelessness. But then Jesus shows up and he puts everything back together again. He places confusion and fear with confidence and faith and purpose. The truth of the resurrection is that Jesus is risen and he's gone. He's sitting on the right hand side of the father. But that same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now resides in us. And that same spirit that gave Jesus power and authority over all things. If I say all things, Jesus says, I now commission you with that same spirit, that same power. That's the applicational reason for the resurrection of Jesus. That's why the tomb is empty, and that's why he's alive today. He is risen. Why don't you stand to your feet? I have one final question for you. Jesus is alive. But is he alive in you? Is Jesus alive in you? Do you know the joy? Do you know the peace? Do you know him? You can know him today if you don't. And I don't want you to leave here with eternity in the balance outside of relationship with Jesus Christ. This is a precious, sacred moment. This is why we do what we do. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody walking, nobody talking, please listen. Jesus loved you so much that he gave his life for you. He loved you so much that he went through all the pain and the shame and the suffering and the agony. He endured the cross for you because he saw you.
He saw you. And if you're outside of relationship with Jesus Christ right now, you don't, you don't have to be. You can embrace the truth of Jesus right now where you stand. All you have to do is from, from the bottom of your heart say, Lord, this is, this is me. Tired of living life the way that I live it. I know you've been knocking on the door of my heart for some time, but today I choose to embrace your truth. That you came and you died for me and you rose again for me. I confess my sin to you and I ask you to come into my heart and take control of my life. I surrender my life to you. In, in your name, Jesus, I ask you to be king of my heart.